Hey, this is Taylor Strickland. I'm one of the pastors here at Second Baptist Church West Campus, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message teaches you, inspires you, and strengthens your faith. To learn more about our Second Students ministry, check us out on Facebook or Instagram. Just search Second Students West. Enjoy the message. We're in a series called Good Medicine. Here's what that means. It means that sometimes medicine tastes bad. Sometimes it's not fun taking medicine. Like I couldn't swallow a pill until I was like 19 years old, legit, okay? Maybe you're in that category. You don't like doing it. Um, medicine, sometimes it's not fun, but it's good for you. It's good to take it. It helps you. And in our walk with Christ, sometimes there's things we go through, some things we have to hear that hurt, that are difficult, that sting, but are actually really good for us. Sometimes God uses situations in life in that way. And so today, that's what the message is going to be about. It might sting a little bit. It might hurt, but I want you to check your heart. I want you to look inside yourself and, and see what, where you land with the story that we go through today and what God says to you. And I encourage you to lean in to that. So John chapter 11, and as you turn there, we're going to start in verse 17 in a minute. But here's what I want you to, to do this morning. Not the typical way I would start a message. Usually um, we start our messages, if you don't know this, with a story, with a funny element, maybe with an illustration to really catch your attention. But here's how I want to start. I want you to raise your hand today if you have ever lost someone close to you. Someone close to you, a family member, a friend, has passed away. Keep your hands up. Someone that you love, someone that you cared about, maybe you knew someone who lost somebody and they were really close to you. Raise your hand. Now I want you to look around the room at all the people in this room who have experienced the same thing as you. You can put your hands down. Death is really difficult. Death is really hard. I've never heard anyone experience losing someone and they enjoyed it. It's a really difficult thing to go through. And maybe just going there again and raising your hand put you in a really difficult place. I think of the people that I lost right now in my life. My grandfather who passed away five years ago, how difficult that was. I get emotional just thinking about that. And here's why I want to start that way. Because I want you to put yourself in the story that we're about to read. Jesus just lost his closest friend, a guy named Lazarus. Lazarus was the brother of Martha and Mary. If you remember who they were, um, they were the, Martha and Mary were in the story where Mary was at Jesus' feet when he went to their house and she was worshiping him and she was intentional in that moment. And what was Martha doing? She was cleaning around the house. She was organizing for Jesus. She was, she was shed, setting things up. This is that brother, Lazarus. And Lazarus passes away. And so here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna read, starting in verse 17, and there's gonna be some things that I'm going to point out that I want you to talk more in your small group about because you're going to have a good amount of time in your small group. There's a reason for that. So when I hit these things, I want you to make a note. Leaders, I want you to make a note. It's on, on the notes for you, on the, the small group notes. But there are a few things I want you to take deeper there. And there's one main thing I want us to really take deep here. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. So verse 17 says this. On his arrival... Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So stop there. Here's, here's what happened. Lazarus was really sick. And it says that when Jesus finally made it to Bethany, the place where Lazarus and Martha and Mary lived, their hometown, his friend had been dead for four days. Now think about this. We know who Jesus was. Jesus was God's son. He was 100% God. He came back to life. He rose from the grave. He is God. 
Yet how did he not know his friend was sick? Why was he not there to heal him? Because he did it for everyone else, but his best friend who was dying, we don't know what of, was sick and Jesus came four days late. Why? In fact, we, we see in verse three, if you go back a little bit, that Jesus even heard the news was spread to him that his friend Lazarus was sick and was about to die. And so if, if it's me and I'm Martha or Mary, I'm like, Jesus, what were you doing? Right? Like, why weren't you here? There has to be a reason as to why you didn't come. I would be angry and frustrated and really offended. But here's the deal. Jesus, we talked about this a few months ago, if you even remember. Jesus was intentional. Jesus intentionally waited. He didn't rush. He heard the news and he chose not to go. He took his time. Why did Jesus do that? I want you to talk about that more in your small groups. Why did Jesus wait? You know, sometimes we think that God must do the right thing right away. Did you hear me, students? God must do the right thing right away because God is God. God is powerful. We know who he is. We know he's in control. We know he wants the good things for our life. We know that he loves us, or at least we hear that, but sometimes we don't believe it because he's not doing the right thing right now. But here's the deal. God will always do the right thing in his timing. He may not do it right now. He may not respond right away, but he will do it in his timing. And when we think God is too late, he's really right on time. So I want you to talk about why Jesus waited. It goes on, and the word spreads in the verse to Martha and Mary that Jesus is now here. <laughs> he showed up. He's made it to Bethany. Well, he's four days late. And so it says that Mary is in her bed crying. She can't even move. She's so depressed. She's so in sorrow, so emotionally upset at her brother dying that he, she can't get out of bed. But it says that Martha, remember the one who was back in the other story, was cleaning and organizing and preparing while Mary was at Jesus' feet. She was a responder. She wasn't intentional, but she responded sometimes too quickly to things in the wrong way. She responds here. And it says that she takes off to where Jesus was, because she's going to find out why Jesus didn't show up. It says in verse 20, when she heard he was coming, she went out to meet him, and Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Where were you? Come on, right? That's what I would have said too. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I know he's going to go to heaven. But Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. There's a lot there. You're going to talk about this more in your small group. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And in verse 27, she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Messiah, the son of God who has come into the world. An amazing conversation between Martha and Jesus that he needed to have with her, that he intentionally, purposely designed for her. Isn't it crazy that when we panic, he always has a plan? When we react and we panic and we do what Martha did and get angry at God, get frustrated at God, which is okay to do because we're human and it's a relationship. He always has a plan. He always has a reason. He wanted this intentional conversation with her. 
And she's angry, she's offended, but he's so calm, cool, and collective, right? God is always calm, cool, and collective with us. You ever been in that moment where you're just so angry and frustrated with God? Maybe that's right now in your life. I have many times. When I was 18 years old, I was so angry with him that I literally said things I shouldn't have to God, and it changed my life. Because I realized that God had a plan. I realized that God was in control. He was calm, cool, and collective. He knew what he wanted to do all along. Jesus had a plan, and he began to teach Martha. He taught her right here. That's what he did. And then it goes on. Martha leaves Jesus where he was, and still in her anger, still in her frustration, goes back to Mary and says, hey, Mary, you know, get up out of the bed. It's okay. Jesus is here. So Mary, it says, with all the people that were with her, left and went to see Jesus. And in verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Notice the different response. Same as the story of Mary and Martha when they were in the house. Martha was cleaning and Mary was intentional at Jesus' feet. Again, she falls at his feet. She's not like, Jesus, where were you? What were you doing? She's so emotional. Her heart is so heavy and she falls at his feet. She can't even stand and she says, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. You could have healed him. Yet you're four days late. We already had the ceremony. It's over. He's in the grave. And you just showed up. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. And he goes, so where have you, where have you laid him? Where's the tomb? She said, come and see, Lord. And then verse 35, you've probably heard this verse before if you've been at church just a little bit. It says, Jesus wept. This moment where now Mary and Jesus meet. I love that John gives us the picture of Jesus and Martha and now Jesus and Mary. She's so emotional. And Jesus is moved by her emotions. And what happens? Jesus, the son of God, starts crying. He starts sobbing, and we have the shortest verse in the Bible that when I was 10 years old, I was like, I can quote the Bible. Jesus wept. <laughs> John 11, verse uh, 35. Jesus wept. Kind of made a joke out of it. But it's actually really important that we see there that Jesus was human. You're going to talk about that more in your small groups. Why is it important that Jesus cried? Why is it important that he emotionally connected with Mary? I want to do something real quick. How many emotional girls do we have in the room? Just raise your hand. Yeah, somebody cheered. Awesome. <laughs> it should be all of you, girls, okay? Just, just, just put it up. Don't be ashamed. You're emotional, okay? I know because I grew up with two sisters, and I'm married, all right? You see like a newborn baby, and you cry, <laughs> okay? Or you um, see puppies, and you cry. I, I, I don't know. I don't get it, but it's how God made you, and guys, we need you for it, okay? Because we're not emotional. In fact, guys, speaking of guys, how many of you would be honest and bold and say, I'm an emotional dude? Just raise your hand. Be bold. Be brave. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Evan, he's emotional. Seen him cry. Anybody else? Guys, come on. Come on, man. Y'all, thank you, Preston. Y'all are emotional, okay? Y'all cry like little babies. You just don't show it, right? I know because I do. Y'all ever cried during a movie? Guys? Yeah? Yeah? I saw the new Lion King when Mufasa died. I sobbed, okay? <laughs> Legit. Ask Erica. That is not a false story. I was like, Mufasa! Simba's all alone. I've seen it 30 times. I still cry. I'm emotional. We get emotional, y'all. Girls and guys in a different way. Girls, you wear it on your sleeve. You get emotional when you see a puppy. It's cute. You cry. Guys, 
You get emotional when you go through a breakup, but you hold it in. You cry when you're alone. It's true. Here's the deal. Humans are emotional people. Jesus was a human. He was emotional. Sometimes we think, man, Jesus was God. He's all big and bad. No, Jesus was a real human being. You'll talk about why that was important for salvation. He had to really die. He was a human being. He cried. He emotionally connected with Mary. You ever not just lost someone, but known someone who's gone through a tragedy and you cried for them? Your heart broke for that person, that friend. You ever been there? So many times I have. For my friend's grandparents, who I didn't even know because they were upset, because they were emotional. That's what Jesus did in this moment. And he says, okay, it's time for me to do my thing. He says, so where is he? And he begins to make his way towards the grave. And there's a conversation between Jesus and Martha in the next few verses. And Martha, of course, doubts Jesus and says, Jesus, can you really bring him back to life? It's been four days. Hello. He's nasty. His body is rotting. This can't happen. And Jesus says, you just said you believed. So watch this. And in verse 41, he tells him to remove the stone. So they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said these, all these things for the benefit of the people standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, and I picture this moment like Jesus in a very godlike voice said, Lazarus, come out, right? And the lights went up. That's great. Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus wakes up, he comes alive. And it says, I love this part, the dead man came out. Picture that. What did that look like? The stone was rolled away. They didn't bury people in the ground. They put them in tombs. And so it says that the dead man came out of the tomb. That's kind of weird. And it says that he was still wrapped, his hands and feet, with strips of linen and cloth around his feet. So here's what I picture. I picture like a mummy-like figure who's like this. He's like, right? Like he, he comes out of the tomb and he can't talk. He's like, I'm alive. He's alive and he walks out, but he can't move, he can't talk. And the story doesn't end there. Sometimes we go, all right, great. Jesus did the miracle, he proved his point, it was awesome. But he says something the very end of verse 44 that I believe is so important. And John, who wrote this book, specifically put this in here. He specifically quoted Jesus and put this in. Everything is in the Bible for a reason. It's not by the snake. It's not by accident. It's not by coincidence. It's not, well, they just put it in there because it made sense. It's all divinely written. That means it was written by God. It was inspired by God. Here's what it says. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Picture that, right? The, the mummy comes out of the tomb. Lazarus is alive. And the Jews and Martha and Mary are standing there like. They're just standing there. And Jesus is like, hello. Like, wake up. He's alive. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. He's not dead. Wake up. Help the man out. He can't breathe. He can't move. He's still wearing the old grave clothes, but now he is alive. 
There's two important commands, two important points that Jesus makes here. And this is where we're going to camp out for the next few minutes. He says this, take off the grave clothes. Those grave clothes symbolize, what do you think? The past. They symbolize that he was once dead, but now he's alive. The grave clothes, the things that they wrapped him in to preserve his body was a symbol of death. They were old. They needed to come off. He needed to live and to breathe like a human being. They were a thing of the past. Students, listen. Good medicine. You need to let go of your past. You need to let go of your past. I want you to focus in right now. You might have missed everything I said, but I want you to hear this today. I want you to hear these two things. Number one, you've got to let go of your past. And I know that's really cliche to say. Some of us, uh, you know, say an old saying or an old quote, like stop living in the past. But here's the deal. Your past will literally haunt you. It does for many of you in this room. It has for me. Your past mistakes, your past failures, your past self, your past addictions, the things that you used to do and used to be. I'm not just talking about before you knew Christ. I'm talking about yesterday. I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about last week. I'm talking about back in the summer. The things that you did that you knew weren't right, the bad habits that you had, the mistakes, the failures that you had in your life, they will come. You are a human. We got to let them go. Let's take off the grave clothes. Stop living in the past. We've talked about being intentional. I know there are some of you in this room who have made that your personal goal to be intentional. You told me that. I want to be intentional this year. There are some seniors in the room. I'm so proud of the seniors in this room. Seniors, great job, who are living intentionally. If you want to live intentionally, you've got to be present. You can't be present if you're still living in the past. Those past things, they will haunt you. They will be all that you think about. You ever woken up in the morning and all you can think about is the failures that you have in your life, the things you've done wrong, the mistakes that you've made, the people that you've let down. Stop. The enemy wants you to ponder that all day long so that your actions are a reflection of that. Let go of the past. Number two, he says, take the grave clothes off and let him go. Symbolize chains. He was in captivity. He couldn't breathe. He couldn't move his arms. He couldn't move his legs. It says, let him go free. He's alive now. He was in chains. Are there chains in your life? I believe we all have certain chains. We all have things that we're held to at different times. There's two types. Hidden chains. I'm sorry. Obvious chains and hidden chains. Obvious chains and hidden chains. Here's the difference. Obvious chains, the things that you're in slavery to, the things that you're in bondage to that are restricting you, that are holding you back, the the obvious ones are the ones that you know, the ones that you're thinking of right now, the things that you need to let go, the people that you need to get away from, the decisions you need to stop making, the things you need to stop doing, the addictions that you need to break. Those are the things that you know, that people have told you and you've listened to, and you're working on it, hopefully. If not, start today. But the hidden ones are the ones that either you haven't realized yet or you're not willing to admit. You're not willing to confront. You're like, oh, that's just a, that's just a thing. Oh, that's no big deal. Oh, it's really bad, but I don't want to deal with it because it's going to get real messy. You better deal with it. How do you break chains? Number one, you get right with the Lord. You can use today, you can use right now to get right with the Lord. 
If that's all you do today, you came here and you got right with him, awesome. That's what church is about. It's a place where you can come and you can reset things. Maybe you need to look at who's pouring into your life. Because it's one thing to reset things and then you go back on Monday and Tuesday to school or to your life and you've got those same influences pouring into you and it's not a good thing. They're not good influences. You know, I was thinking about these different things, about grave clothes. And here's what I thought. I thought what you wear is important. I want to show you. I have um, some students who are going to walk up on the stage right now or on the floor. I've asked them to come prepared today. Y'all can make your way up. That's your cue. I have some students who who have asked to dress a certain way today. Because as I was thinking that what you wear is important, you guys can just, you can line up right there across the stage, please. What you wear is important. I want to show you how what you wear is important. Let's start with, this is Sydney Simmons over here. Sydney Simmons, clearly when you look at her, she's probably dressed to go work out, right? She's dressed to probably either chill around the house or go work out. Like you're not, you're not thinking that Sydney's, you know, probably going to go to like, you know, prom like this, right? She, like if she did, all right, where's the dress? Like that's what you wear, okay? We go to Addie, Addie Broussard. Clearly, even more obvious, Addie's probably going to go cheer at a football game, okay? She's not going to wear this laying around at home. It's probably uncomfortable. You probably only wear it for a few hours and then, and then you change, right? Like this is what you wear when you cheer. Makes sense, right? You, you see that, you get it. How about my man Ethan right here? Ethan is dressed for success. Look at this guy. He's got a coat on. He's got a shirt tucked in. Some baller tennis shoes. Okay, I love it. I would do the same thing. Tennis shoes with a suit. I love it. He's probably dressed for what? Church? An interview? Work? Something really, really nice, right? And then you got my man Preston right here. Like, like, like this is my robe, by the way. All right, that's not his. Don't let him fool you. But he's got camo slippers on, which I love. Okay, let me just comment on his fashion for a second. He is dressed to go to bed, right? Hopefully you don't wear this to school. Okay, that'd be weird. <laughs> Anybody wear a robe to school? Don't raise your hand. That's cool if you do. Um, great, for real. I had to wear a uniform. That would have been nice. He is dressed to go to bed. When you see that, you get it. He's trying to chill. It's probably nighttime. He's probably tired. He's lazy. It's what you wear when you're around the house. I wear this robe, and, uh, and, and it's great. He wears his you know, camo uh, slippers. It's awesome, right? When you look at these people, you understand that what they're wearing speaks volume. It tells a story. It tells you that they probably address for the occasion or they dress for their mood or maybe for their budget, right? I've been there, okay? Had to shop at Walmart. It, it, it's, it's what you do. They have great clothes. But these men and women are saying something to you by what they're wearing. They're telling a story. They're saying, here's what I'm about. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm representing. You're good. Thank you guys so much. Y'all can be dismissed. Here's the truth is that some of us in the room, maybe many of us in the room are still wearing grave clothes today. You're wearing grave clothes and those clothes represent a whole lot. They represent your past and they represent the chains in your life. And whether you're a Christian or you're not, no matter where you are on the spiritual scale, if you're like way up here and you're so close to God or you're way down here and it's a struggle, well, it's a struggle for all of us. It's real for all of us. And I want you to know that most of the time we find ourselves in the same place as Christians, as human beings. If you're in chains, if you're in those clothes, it's controlling, it's restricting. And the truth is that you can't live the life that God wants you to live, students. By the way, he's freed you if you're a Christian. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, the old is gone, the new has come. You're a new creation. 
And frankly, I'm tired of seeing students live the old way, live life like they're still waiting on the miracle, on to, for, for Jesus to come and raise them back to life. It's already happened if you're a Christian. He's already changed you. So take off the old clothes. Take off the old way. And when you mess up, it's okay because you're still alive. It's not like you die again and he's got to bring you back to life. No, you're alive in Christ. He's changed you. He's forgiven you. You're a new creation. It says in scripture, believe it. Walk in that life. If you find yourself today in living in the past, in those chains, I want you to know that you can have freedom. In fact, you have freedom in Christ. All you got to do is really believe it and start living it. And when it gets hard and it's not perfect and it feels like, where is God? You just trust that he's right there and you do the things that you all know I don't have to repeat that you need to do to get back closer to him again. Heads bowed in the room, eyes closed.